Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Value in us, I believe it's important for us to be the kind of people that go and look for others that are lost. I believe that one of the ways we do that is by remembering that we were once lost ourselves. Amen? And in this series, uh, I'm just going to keep pushing in until I can't come up with any more content uh, for this. But uh, today my text is in John chapter 9. I'm going to read the whole thing. And, and you know what? When I tell you the verse numbers, you're probably going to gasp and you're probably going to just be like, are you serious? Is he really going to read all those verses? And the answer is yes. Uh, but it's just so good. I'm going to read it. It's John, it's John chapter 9 verses 1 through 41. Okay? So I'm going to read the whole thing. Look at someone next to you say, this is going to be really fun. I promise you, it's, it's such a good, it's such a good uh, story. It's, it's, it's just amazing. So I'm going to get through as much of this today as I possibly can. Uh, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41, it says this. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. This is Jesus. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Can I pay attention to some of these things because we're going to dig into them in just a second. Jesus sees a blind man. The first question that his disciples ask is, whose fault is this? His parents or his fault? And Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sin, said Jesus. But this happened. Wow, listen to this. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must, must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begged, asking, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that it was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. Okay, now, real quick, before I read the rest of this, this, this uh, passage here, I'm just going to tell you, this is a guy who never had anything. This is a guy who couldn't see his whole life. He doesn't even know what it feels like to have a happy family, to have a happy life. He sits in one place all the time and just listens. He's just listening to people that are by him, listening to what it sounds like to have a family, listening to what it sounds like to, to enjoy your life, listening to what it sounds like to work. He can't do any of this himself. himself. So he's lived a, a very marginalized life. Now he can see he's the center of attention, but I'm gonna tell you something. You can judge it for yourself. You go home and underline every time that this guy talks for the rest of this thing. This guy has got a swag level that is unlike anybody I've ever seen in the history of scripture. I'm just going to call him the zing master because every time he speaks in the scripture, he zings someone. Look at someone and just go like this, go zing, make the Z like the Zora sign. Just go zing. Okay. This, this guy zings everyone. Every time he talks, it's cool. Every time he talks, a t-shirt needs to be printed. This guy is the coolest guy in the world. I mean, he, he's just, he's not a theologian. He's nothing like that. He's just a guy that was blind. I love this. So, so these haters are coming around him, they, they refuse to acknowledge the power of Jesus. 
They refuse to acknowledge the fact that this guy has been blind, completely blind his whole life. Now he can see. They refuse to acknowledge it so much that they're actually inferring, isn't this the same man? And some said, no, he only looks like him. Listen, zing number one. But he himself insisted, I am the man. If you're a dude, look at someone next to you and just go, I am the man. You're like, Pastor Jeff, I already say that all the time. This dude says, I am the man. I want to, guys, let's make a t-shirt for the dudes that says, I am the man. I love that right there. They say, how then were your eyes open? And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. I like this right there. They're trying to intimidate. Say, where is this man? T-shirt number two. I don't know. Don't you love this attitude? This guy is so cool, man. He like, he's like, you're asking me all these questions. I'm just trying to tell you what happened, dude. I was blind. Like, I literally have never been able to see anything in my life. I can see everything right now. You're asking me these questions about this guy. Now listen to this. It says, now they brought to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. So they're just not gonna leave this guy alone. They gotta know who this was that healed him. They don't like Jesus. They don't like Jesus at all. They're trying to indict Jesus. So they bring this man to the Pharisees. It says, now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Now this is really important for us to know that in the context of the times in Jewish culture, the Sabbath Not only was it a holy day, but they had added all kinds of man-made laws to God's law about the Sabbath. We're supposed to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, but they added all kinds of man-made rules that you couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. Since it was a day of rest, you couldn't pick anything up, you couldn't walk upstairs, you couldn't help someone, you couldn't do anything that required work at all. So they turned this into an extreme, rather than being something about just honoring God, it became very legalistic and rules-based. So they used to judge people that did anything on the Sabbath. So they're judging Jesus for the fact that he healed a man of blindness on the Sabbath. So listen to this, it says, the day on which Jesus made the mud and put it on the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees, or the religious leaders, also asked how he had received his sight. I love this dude. Listen. He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. T-shirt number four. I don't know. Let's do it. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. Look at Zing man here. I say he's a prophet. No duh. They still did not believe that he had been, wow. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. So they hate Jesus so much and are so in opposition to a true miracle and to a true work of God that rather than just listen to what this man said, they have to get his parents. They send for the dude's parents. Now I want you to look at the person next to you and I want you to quote one of the great philosophers of all time. 
Okay, just look at them real quick. And quote the great philosopher, Taylor Swift, say, haters gonna hate, 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 hate. <laughs> Tell somebody, say, haters gonna hate, 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 hate. They're hating on my man. They don't even believe he was ever, th think about this, are you following this? They're starting to question whether the guy was ever blind. They're, they're, in, they're so in disbelief that, that Jesus was able to heal him that they're questioning whether he was ever blind to begin with. So they sent for the man's parents and listen to what they say, is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Okay, now I'm, I'm gonna tell you something about this dude's family. I thought he was the Zing master, but when you start reading his parents' responses, it's genetic. <laughs> this run in the family right here, this family right here is cold. I'm telling you, everybody they run into, they be zinging all over the place, no matter what they get asked. They're just throwing them out all over the place. Look at what the parents say to these religious people. We say, we know he is our son, and we know he was born blind. Double zing. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Oh, I'm gonna read it off the screen. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. He sings him, he sings him. Oh, I love this family. I wanna, ha I wanna have dinner with this family. Can you imagine this stuff flying around all over the place? They're like, yo, the, uh, I mean, the dude's blind, he was blind. Talk to him, ask him, he'll tell you what happened. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. So they're smart, they're intuitive, they understand that this is a witch hunt. They're coming after Jesus. If Jesus says that he's Messiah, they're gonna have him killed. They kind of understand the implications. Jesus healed him of this miraculous thing. This guy has never seen a day in his life. He's our son. He's seeing only one person could do that. They get it. So it says, that's why it says in verse 23, that's why his parents said he's of age, ask him. So listen to this, a second time, they bring back the blind dude after he's already burnt the place down. He brings it back and says, give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner, talking about Jesus, because he's apparently a sinner because he healed someone on the Sabbath day. Oh man, oh my Lord, this dude right here. I can't believe this dude is unnamed. I, can't, he, I gotta find out this guy's name someday, because I don't know, I, I, we may have another son and just name him whatever this name was, because this, na this name right here is just dope right here. She's shaking her head no, she don't like that idea. Let's get a dog then and just name the dog, because this is like a good, this is a name that needs to be, Listen, listen, no dog either. Okay, whatever. Okay. Yeah, someone name your kid. If I find out the name, we got to name someone this because this guy, is, this guy is, is the best guy I've ever seen. His reply, they say Jesus is a sinner. He goes, yeah, whether he's a sinner or not, I really don't know. But one thing I do know. Once I was blind. Come on, is anybody here on a Sunday morning today? But now I see. Woo! I love that. He says, I don't know what you think about Jesus. And can I, I got news for you today. I don't know what you think about Jesus. I'm kind of like him. I don't really care what you think about Jesus. 
What I do know is what I think about Jesus. And I know that I used to be blind, but I can see because he's good to me. He's faithful. He has laid his hands on me when I had nothing and I was nobody. And he made me something because of who he is. So you can call him whatever you want to call him. Say what you want to say about him. All I know is what I have experienced by knowing him. Woo, he's good. My look, I'm, the, I'm just reading, I'm not even in the message, I'm just reading the text. Look at someone else, you say, the guy's reading the text right now. I can't even get through the text. And they asked him, these people are imbeciles. When you, when you, don't be a hater. When you're a hater, you're an imbecile. Because haters are so dead set on making someone look bad that they just ignore the facts. Can you believe what these dum-dums ask him again after he's answered them three different times the same story? He goes, what did he do to you? Read that last part. How did he open your, I mean, it's just like, how many times can you ask the same question? And I believe this time it doesn't say it, but I just truly believe if there were more here that it would say that he just went like this. <laughs> I have told you already, and yet you did not listen. Oh, why do you want to hear it again? someone next to you to say the dude was cold he was stone cold this dude is cold he said I can't even say it no I can't say that out loud that's too funny right there someone read it with me so I'm not saying it by myself do you want to become his disciples too oh oh I love it he is just trying he's trying the most powerful people in all of Israel yo you get such confidence when God has done something for you. When God has taken you out of the junk and the darkness and the brokenness and the pain and the hurt and the isolation, it don't matter who you're standing up in front of. And you know what, I, I'm not even doing this on purpose, but the first thing that pops in my mind, I actually don't want, I can't figure out why so many pastors are, are talking about Kanye when no one asked them about Kanye. But it's like every pastor's talking about Kanye. Now here I am, I'm talking about Kanye. But the point, I'm doing it. I'm doing the very thing that annoys me. But I'm doing it in the context of this right here. It's what I'm talking about. It's like when God gets a hold of you and you are so grateful for what he has done for you, you're not gonna go ask for permission from every Christian to talk about how good Jesus is. You're gonna say something like, Jesus is king, amen? So I think the point, and th this ain't about records or music or anything like this. This is just about what happens to people when God gets a hold of you. And, and a fire just comes over this guy and he's looking at the most powerful people in all of Israel and he's saying this stuff. Then it says, they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. Look at the religion. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. 
oh my gosh, now the most cold, the most cold gangster, oh my Lord, something comes out of this dude right now, a level of sarcasm. Is there anyone in this room that's really sarcastic? Raise your hand if you, okay, raise your hand if you're so sarcastic that you're, that you're raising your hand because you're trying to be sarcastic right now. Like you're not sarcastic, but you just realized when I said that you are, so you're like, yeah, I'm totally sarcastic. Okay, I'm not even sure, that's very meta right there, but some people are laughing, so I'll just keep going. So this guy is so sarcastic. This comment is so sarcastic that it makes me feel like I'm not sarcastic, but I am very sarcastic. And what he says right here is, is the, probably the most sarcastic thing that I have ever seen in scripture. From, not from a theologian, not from, a, from, a, from a, a preacher, from a dude that has nothing but who has been emboldened by the power of the Holy Spirit, who his life has been changed. He is not worried about the consequences of what anyone's gonna say about him. All he is doing is just looking at a bunch of haters that are hating on Jesus and he he just makes fun of them. He's just literally making fun of them. Listen to these words right here. This is unbelievable, look at, now that is remarkable. Look at someone next to you and go, now that is remarkable. Oh wow, it's amazing, he's just making fun. He goes, now that's remarkable. You don't even know where he comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. Is that good or what? Come, is there anyone here today? He goes, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Mic drop. This is too expensive or I would drop it right now. It says, to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So all this, all this culminates with this guy, this poor guy, who said nothing, he, he, he should see, now he's famous. All these people are putting him on trial and he's like the talk of, of the town and now he gets kicked out so he's on this sort of roller coaster thing I love this scripture this next one in verse 35 so much I love this because the moment that you feel like you got a miracle but then something terrible happens and you get kicked out or something just brings you down I love this about Jesus it says Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and when he had found him. Come on, look at someone next to you say, Jesus is looking for you today. He said, guys, I'm reading the text. I'm not even to my sermon. Uh, it's just taking like four hours and I've never even, I, I'm not even preaching yet. And when he had found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? So what, what's extraordinary about this is Jesus has done a physical work on the outside that is going to be a future example and representation of our spiritual blindness and ineptness. But to this guy, he's just received a miracle. He hasn't really got the revelation yet that Jesus fully is the Messiah. And he goes, do you believe in the son of man? And this guy goes, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus goes, I got some zings too. You've now seen him and it's the one that you're talking to. And the man's like, Lord, I believe. And he just worships him. 
And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. This is, the, this is the summarization of this whole text right here in verse 40 and 41. It says, some Pharisees who were with him and heard him say this asked, what, are we blind too? And Jesus says, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim to see, read it with me, your guilt remains. Now I'm done with the text. So I'm going to preach to you today a message called No Lost Causes. I once was blind. Father, bless the rest of this message. Thank you for every person in this room. I pray that the word of God builds our faith today, that helps people that are in broken situations realize that you're looking for them and that you always bring hope wherever you go. Nothing's hopeless if you're in it. In Jesus' name, amen. You ever been through some, something before that, that's tragic or terrible or painful? And the first question that you ask yourself, now look, I need some real people here today. Don't put on your church face real quick. Just be a person for a second, okay? Anybody ever been through some stuff that's, that's hard and the first question that pops in your head is why? If that's you, just lift your hand. The first question that pops in your head is why? Okay, good. We've got a lot of humans here today. I think that that is uh, very, very natural. It's a very natural Thing. I mean, I was talking to first service. I got some people in my life right now. They're going through some tough things. And it's like when you see people walking through things and, and you know who they are, you know their character. It's just like, why? It's like, you know, you ever seen something good happen to a, something bad happen to a good person? You're going, they don't deserve it. Or maybe you're the good person. Or you feel like you're the good person. You don't deserve something that's happened to you. I think we go through these questions and it brings up this concept about suffering, and, and honestly, it's a very deep idea, a very philosophical idea. Uh, C.S. Lewis, who is probably one of my favorite theologians and, and Christian writers and authors, he calls this, he has a, a book I love, it's called The Problem of Pain. And this concept of the problem of pain, the reason pain is a problem and suffering is a problem is it presents a philosophical dilemma of how can we have an all good God in an all-loving God if evil exists in the world? What is the origin of evil? If God is all good, how can he allow things to happen, terrible things that we don't understand if he's all good? I mean, wave your hand if you've ever thought that. I mean, this, these are questions that we deal with. Even if we're people of faith, we deal with these kind of questions. And I think that when we've been through something we see in the text of this story that the first questions that Jesus' disciples ask him about this blind man, think about it. He says, Who's, they say, whose fault is this? It's the same way we think about our lives. What, what did I do to cause this? Or what did someone else do to cause this? We try to backtrack and find out how we got ourselves in this situation. So I believe there are two different tracks that we can go down when adversity or suffering comes our way. Whether it's a suffering of, of the way somebody was born, whether it's the suffering that someone some, uh, went through an accident, whether it's the suffering of, of an injustice that took place to you or whatever, I think no matter what the level of suffering, we tend to want to go down one of two tracks. The first track I will call the anger track. Okay, here's the way the anger track works. The anger track always tries to trace it back to a person. 
It always tries to trace it back to a person. So if you went through something, and, and, and this thing can get complicated too. Um, you know, I had someone one time that apologized to me for something that happened that was just so random that they had no, it's like we were going somewhere and had to go a different direction uh, than we were going to go because we were picking something up and then something happened. And someone was like, oh my gosh, if I had never said do this, then this wouldn't have happened. I go, hey, dummies think like that. You don't have to apologize for, 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 for that. That's not the way the world works. People that live on the anger track are constantly looking for a person to blame. And sometimes it works just like that. Someone will say, you know, I was, I was supposed to, uh, you know, I was supposed to go at this time, but you asked me to give you a ride and I took you a ride. And then the person ran the red light and then they hit me. And now, you know, my leg is messed up. And if you hadn't have asked me for the ride, it wouldn't have happened. That's the anger track. The anger track will trace problems back to a person. Sometimes when people have been through abuse, emotional abuse, Physical abuse, any kind of abuse, uh, they'll trace it back to a person. And what I'm saying is I'm not saying that people aren't culpable or responsible for certain things in life. But what I'm saying is that we tend to view our suffering through one of these lenses. And the danger of the anger track is that it, sometimes it goes more than just a person. It can turn into a group of people. It can turn into, uh, have you ever met someone who maybe got hurt in a church by by a Christian at one point and then what do they do because they got hurt by a church or a Christian it's not just oh somebody hurt me at a church it's I got hurt in church so I don't like what church uh, then it can turn to well I hate churches I hate organized religion or it can go, or it can turn to something bigger I hate Christians why because some one person hurt you so now you have figured out a way through the anger track are you seeing how this works with blame? Living a life of blame, blaming, suffering, blaming problems. It, it can get even bigger than that. It can become to people that blame entire denominations or entire ethnicities or races or, or political parties. And people write off a whole groups of people and they blame all the problems in the world on certain types of people. And that is the anger track. And, and honestly, it's really the question that these guys asked Jesus about the blind man. He said, whose fault is this? Is it this group's or is it his? So that leads us to our second track that we can go down when it comes to suffering. If it's not the, the anger track, then it's the guilt track. Okay, and the guilt track attributes personal responsibility for all the sufferings that we go through. And this is a very dangerous one as well. And we, we can, and the reason we're so good at walking down the guilt track is it's very easy for us to remember all the negative things we've done. Remember last week I said, sometimes we have trouble remembering the things that we should remember and forgetting the things that we should forget. We have a hard time forgetting about our mistakes. And if you're arguing with me about the, the, the guilt track, you know, and you're saying, well, I remember that the night after I did this, the very next day, you know, I, I, this happened to me and I lost this whole, I lost my job. So to me, that means that God was telling me that I should have done this. And because I did that, this happened. And, and you will fight me on this and you will go back and forth. Why? Because you can go back and recite to me every mistake you've ever made. And what you're doing is you're asking that question that the disciples asked. Which one was it? Whose fault is it? Is it his parents or is it his? And I'll tell you this right now that the problem with the guilt track is that if you really believe that you are earning all of the negative things that are coming into your life by your individual sins. 
you don't realize that the fatal flaw of your argument is the one that you're not talking about. It's when you flip it on the other side. Because if you believe that you were earning all of the negative things that you were doing in your life, then also the part you're not talking about is somewhere in the back of your mind, you think that you're also earning all the good things that come into your life by all the good things that you do. And that's not the way the Bible works because the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. Somebody better clap your hands and give God a praise this morning for that. You can't earn. Come on, are you here today? I said, you cannot earn the goodness of God. You can't earn the favor of God. You can't earn the grace of God. We don't have the ability to earn those things. These are gifts that are given to us freely and abundantly by a God that loves us. So both of those tracks are dangerous. And I'm worried that when we get stuck in those ways of believing, we have a very warped view of our lives and the pain that we go through. Sometimes this, you know, if, if someone has cancer or someone in their family has got a disability or something, we'll view our whole life through these lenses and we'll think, what did they do? You know, I, mean, I, I was once at, at a funeral of a, of a child and it was just one of the most sad things in the world. Someone got up at the funeral and said, the question we have to ask ourselves is how did we let this happen? This child had a rare disease that was just, no one knew how to cure. It was the most crazy thing in the world, but said to an entire room, and this was a spiritual leader that said this, it was inferring that it was like sin or like the lack of faith that was in the room. And it was just one of the, it was the, one of the most ridiculous statements that I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm like, do you not understand the Bible? Do you not understand that every good thing comes from above? Do you not understand that Jesus became a curse and canceled the curse against us? That the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us? That we, we can't earn uh, curses any longer because we're not under the curse. Come on, look at someone next to you and say, we're set free. So here we are. I'm only in, my Lord, is that verse three? I'm in verse three. And Jesus answers this line of thinking and he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Can I get an amen from someone? The answer to where does suffering come from, whose fault is it? It's neither. It's not a person's fault and it's not your fault. I think that's really important for us to say that out loud today. Say it's not a person's fault. Put your hand on your heart and say it's not my fault. That's tough. That's tough. That it's not a person's fault and it's not my fault. We have to believe that though. Because it's the answer Jesus gave. It says, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. I love that so much because this shows us that neither of our built-in tracks accurately explain suffering. That suffering is tied to sin but it is not the sin of an individual that's done something to us, and it's not even our own personal sin. Romans 5.19 says this. It says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. What is that talking about? That's talking about Adam with original sin. It means that we were born into sin 
Because humans have a problem. We sin. What's our other problem? We're created in the image of God who is without sin. So there's this conflict that's constantly going on to live that renewed life. That's why the Bible says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. We constantly have to continually be transformed in our life so we don't slip back into the old way of living. So what Jesus is saying is that what this guy is going through, it's almost like we planned this song today for my message and we actually didn't. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. It's like whatever you're going through, whatever struggle you're going through, what God is saying is, I understand that you want to question it. I understand that you want to go down the anger track and blame someone. I understand that you want to blame yourself. But stop asking all those questions. You live in a sinful world. You live in a fallen world, which I have come to redeem. Now let's take that brokenness and let's use it as a platform to share my love with as many people as possible. Amen? Come on, let's give God a praise this morning. I love it. We were born spiritually blind, spiritually dead. Suffering is all around us. Man, if you don't see it, you're not looking. If you don't see it, you gotta look closer. If you don't see homeless people, broken people, if you don't see disabled people, people that are struggling, having a tough time, I mean, please do not check out and go, well, you know, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly and I'm focused on my abundant life. Well, your abundant life should be taking the hope of Jesus to broken people. God gives you, a, what is abundance? It means more than enough. He gives you more than enough so you can give the more to someone that doesn't have enough. That's the whole point of more than enough kind of life. That's, I believe that's why we don't see more people healed. Because we're not living a life out of the abundance of the power of God where we feel like there's enough for us and enough to go around that everyone else that needs what they need can get it too because it's overflowing from our lives. That's the point. Jesus says, I'm going to take your story. I'm going to take your brokenness. I'm going to take your tragedy. And I'm going to put my hands on it and I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to turn it into a testimony that nobody can deny, no matter who it is. That when they look at you and they question you, who did this to you? His name is Jesus. Oh yeah, well what did he do? Did he heal you on the Sabbath? Yeah, he did. He healed me in a little church in St. Cloud, Florida. I walked in and nobody knew who I was and I walked out completely healed. His name is Jesus. You need to look him up. See, the point of this is that in your brokenness, Jesus will come into the middle of your brokenness and he will be with you. He will lay his hands on you personally, touch you personally. And even if you don't get the same miracle that this guy got, physically, you will get it spiritually. You will have your eyes open. You will get your eyes open. If you let Jesus lay his hands on you, your eyes will be open spiritually. This, this is an example. It's an illustration for us. It's a literal story, but it's an illustration. Jesus turned the whole thing into an illustration of our spiritual blindness. See, I love this. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. How, when? 
at all times. His praise shall win. Always. You got a different version. I'm going to read that. I, oh, I will extol. Oh, I like that right there. I will extol the Lord at all times. I'm, I'm going King James on y'all. His praise will always be on my lips. Go to the next part. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted. Come on, that means anybody that is going through suffering today. It says, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Somebody rejoice today. If you're afflicted, rejoice today. Come on, praise him today. Somebody give him a shout today. If you're afflicted, rejoice. You know, I, I, my buddy Peyton is here today. I love Peyton. And Peyton is a good man. And I see you, everyone give a wave over here to Peyton. Peyton, can you give everyone a quick wave right here? There's my buddy Peyton that's right here. Peyton is in church all the time. And unfortunately, Peyton, me and you are FSU fans and we got our tails kicked by Miami yesterday. So I won't bring that up because I want to make you feel bad. But, but one thing I do love about you, Peyton, is that no matter what the disability in your life, you praise God. You know how to worship God. You know how to make the praises of the Lord on your lips at all times. I love watching you in church. I do. I look over all the time. I see you, man. You get going. You get fired up. And it fires me up. And I only bring that up because I want everyone in this room to understand that no matter who we are, no matter what our life might look like, some of us have things that keep us from living in the light. We have things that blind us to the truth. That the people that are struggling, they're going through difficult times. Jesus came up to this guy, yes, to give him a physical miracle, but to open his eyes to a greater truth, to give him freedom in the middle of his suffering. You can, you can praise the Lord in the middle of your suffering. God wants, God wants to take your spiritual blindness and he wants to cure you of your spiritual blindness first. See, we're guaranteed that someday all of us will be physically perfect in heaven. I will show you my abs in heaven. I'm gonna wait, okay? But I'm gonna, I'm gonna have an Instagram account in heaven. Where I'm just constantly like, I'm gonna have them ones on the side that like, you ever seen them where they have so many that you're like, one, two, three, four, five. You're like, I thought there was only like eight of them. That guy's like 19 abs, it's an odd number. It's like, what is that one part over on the side here? It's like, it's crazy. That's so unspiritual. I don't know. I mean, I was preaching fire here that I started talking about. Oh, no, what I was saying is that <laughs> my point is that in heaven, we're guaranteed all of us will be completely healed in heaven. So we know that someday we will all rejoice together. Okay, so, and, and, and many people on this planet will be healed of diseases, of sicknesses, of maladies, of problems. We will see people in our church that will get up out of wheelchairs. We will see people in our church, I speak it in Jesus' name, that we will see people that, are, that have cancer that will be healed. We will, we will see people that have life-threatening illness. We had someone not long ago that had lupus that said they went to the doctor and they don't have lupus anymore. They've had it their entire life. Praise the Come on, let's give God a praise. So we will see these things. But the message of this story is not so much about whether you're gonna get your physical healing or not. It's about the fact that 
God's gonna use your testimony. He's gonna open your eyes spiritually and he is going to use your testimony to bless people. And you know what? Your haters, they're just gonna have to deal with it. They're gonna have to sit there with their jaw just hung open, asking stupid questions like, is he, was he really blind to begin with? And it's just, it just makes you look like a moron. It just makes you look like a total, absolute imbecile. And God is just, he, he's just pouring humiliation on these people that refuse to believe. But I love it. I love it. It was, and, and, and I'll end with this. You know, it says that after saying this, he spit on the ground and he made some mud with the saliva and he put, put it on the man's eyes. And he said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man went and washed and came home seeing. I love this, it was so unconventional. I want you to think for a second about how nasty that is. You're like, that's blasphemous, it's Jesus. I don't care who it is, it's nasty to spit in someone's eyes. Okay, so, I mean, just, just if you look around real quick at anyone in this room, can you imagine, can you imagine how weird and gross it would be for someone to just go, just a big pile of spit and to go like this and then to make a little mud pie with the spit and take the, the stuff and just start smearing it in your eyeball. Do you know what it is? It's actually offensive. Oh, there's a good, there's a good word. That's why I put it in my notes. Five different points I wanna get into about what Jesus did to heal this guy. Number one, he did it because it's offensive. First Corinthians 1.18 says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So what I'm saying is that Jesus on this journey of healing and on this journey of getting your sight, he's gonna do some stuff that will offend you. And if he hasn't offended you yet, you may not have met him yet because that's what he does. That's, that's what this scripture means. It means to people that don't understand the message, it offends them and it offends you. And, but, but when you start realizing, man, hey, this, this thing can save me, you give into it. And you go, man, this is the only thing that can save me. And it becomes your hope. I don't even have time. I, you guys, I, I just don't. I'm going to have to do this, do the rest of it. I got so many more pages of notes. I'm only on, there's 41 verses. I'm on, what am I on? I'm on verse four. you know what? I believe there are people in this room right now that need to hear this message. What is this message? This message is Jesus will not give up on anybody. He is not going to give up on broken people. He's not going to give up on people with disability. He's not gonna give up on people that have been kicked out or thrown away or marginalized. He's gonna go find you the moment you This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.